Well, hello again, and welcome to And the Two Shall Be One with Jackie Dolly. In the last episode, we looked at who is really in control of the controlled and the controller. And my guess is that many were surprised to know that there was an evil genius behind it all. Today, we will look at how to mitigate our desire to control our spouses. One of the major reasons we seek for control is to establish our significance in our marriages. We all desire to feel that we are important to our spouses. The trouble is we live in a performance-based society where all are valued according to how well they perform. We take this into our marriages and begin to assess our spouses on how well they perform for us. As a consequence, we try to get our spouses to jump through our various hoops. The problem with that strategy is that the more hoops they jump through for us, the more hoops we create. Life for your spouse then becomes a series of tests to see how much he or she loves you. And you will never be satisfied no matter what your spouse does for you. Your checklist keeps getting longer and longer. This breeds within your breast a heart of ingratitude and your spouse and children, if you have any, will develop a deep resentment for you in their hearts. I'm not going to detail the many bizarre ways we can seek our significance by using this metal. We already are very creative when it comes to that. Instead, I am going to talk about a few ways to break the cycle of creating the hoops. First, develop self-worth, not self-esteem. Self-esteem is measured in relation to others. Self-worth deals only with you and is unshakable once developed. Did you know that even before you were conceived in your mother's womb, God had already recorded you in his heavenly books? So, from eternity past, you existed in the mind of God. You must be pretty important for God to have you in his mind before your mother met your father. Every time you begin to doubt your significance, read Psalm 139 verses 15 and 16. This is what it says. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wroth in the lowest part of the earth. Your eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in your book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. That means that before you were even a twinkle in your mother's and father's eyes, God had you in mind. And he took the time to record in his books how tall you are going to be, the color of your skin, the eyes you are going to have, the shape of your lips, how your nose is going to be, what you are going to look like, 
from the very beginning of eternity. Even our judicial system values a person of incalculable worth. That is why murder is taken so seriously by the courts and the penalty is very severe. If not the death sentence, then life imprisonment. You are valuable. Second, do not base your value on how well you perform. In the book, The Search for Significance, Robert S. McGee speaks of the performance trap. The performance trap dictates the following. I must meet certain standards to feel good about myself. If you make that your criteria, you will become an incorrigible perfectionist and will never be satisfied. While it is true that whatever we do must be done well, leave a little space for an occasional error without bashing yourself for it. You show me one person in the world who has never made a mistake. If you can do that, then it's okay for you to beat yourself up for your occasional failures. Think of your failures as lessons learned. Next time you will know that that way of doing things does not work. Another negative to this performance strap is that when you fail to achieve the perfection you seek, you then look for someone else to blame. Sadly, your spouse is the closest person to you and they are the ones who usually bear the full force of your anger and resentment. Look, there will always be failures in life. The next time failure comes your way, examine it, figure out why it occurred and move on carrying an extra life lesson. Third, realize that you are unique. Did you know that there is not another person on earth like you? Even if you are an identical twin, you are unique. You have certain gifts and talents that no one else possesses. Work conscientiously to develop your God-given talents and do not imitate another person. While you can freely admire someone else, do not strive to be like him or her. Be yourself. Never yield your conscience to another. Think for yourself. Anyone who does this generally winds up losing himself or herself to the control of another's will. And that is what we do not want. God created you an individual. You will have a unique set of life experiences that will mold you to be uniquely you. Through these experiences, the onus is on you to reach the full stature of your manhood or womanhood. In other words, reach your full potential. Do not place that task on another person's shoulder. As there are distinctions in the formation of flowers, fruits, and even the humble blades of grass, so there are distinctions and variations in the formation of the character of 
every man, woman, boy, and girl. Embrace your differences and humbly like the person you are and have become. If there is need for change, turn to God. He will help you. Fourth, be humble in life. According to Andrew Murray, the only humility that really belongs to us is not what we show before God in prayer, but what we carry with us and live out when we get up off our knees. So my question is, what is your daily life like? Are you easy to get along with or are you bothered by every little irritant? Do people outside your home enjoy your company more than your spouse and children? It is very hard to rattle a truly humble person. Nothing bothers him or her. Learn to live in harmony with your spouse and other people, especially with your spouse. Do not think you are more important than anyone else. If you do, you will treat them poorly. It does not matter your status in life, whether you are a king or a pauper. If you are a proud king, you are going to treat your subjects poorly. If you are a proud wife, you are going to treat your husband poorly. If you are a proud husband, you are going to treat your wife poorly. The general rule is, it is only by pride that contention comes. The proud are always contentious because everything bothers them. And for that reason, they are hard to get along with. The attributes of humility are gentleness, patience, forbearance, kindness, mercy, empathy, and love. So if you are living a life that is always contentious, stop and ask yourself, am I proud? If you are, choose humility instead. Finally, embrace change when it is required. Our brains are malleable for a reason, right? And malleable means that it's easily molded. It has been scientifically proven that our brains can create new pathways within 21 days. Therefore, not one of us can claim inability to change. An old dog can indeed learn new tricks. Examine yourself. And if in the quietness of your hours of solitude, you realize that you need to change, please change. Remember that your spouse is not your enemy. And we all want our marriages to last a lifetime, but not in drudgery and unpleasantness. Your married life can be happy and a joy if you work at it. However, you cannot use the devil's method and expect to live happily ever after. If you find that your married life is miserable, then change. How? You may ask. Well, buy books and read them together or even by yourselves, but come back and discuss what you have read. Seek counseling if needed. Change your behavior. Cultivate a home in which love abides. That means you will both have to work to make your home a haven on earth. Employ the things that breathe peace, 
harmony, and love. And remember, happy the home when God is there and love fills every breast.